What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, I've got Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler 2 waiting there for me. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. And Today, we're recording the second part of an episode that was a listener request from listener Derek Barrows, who asked us to do a podcast about whether science and technology could make us into characters from the X-Men. Right. I mean, through whatever means necessary, I guess, through genetic manipulation, through uh, cybernetics, through just plain old power suits and liquid nitrogen guns. Right. How can we become Iceman, Magneto, Wolverine, Cyclops? Last time we already did the original X-Men team, and, and who did that include? It was Professor okay. X, of course. Yeah, Professor X, Jean Grey, right. Scott Summers, a.k.a. Cyclops, mm-hmm. Iceman, mm-hmm. Uh, The Beast, yeah. Angel. And that's it. Did I name all five? Yeah. I think that's it. Plus, it was six total, right? Because Professor X is one of them. Did you say Jean Grey? Yeah. I did say Jean Grey. Then we're good. Oh, the Beast. Did we name the Beast? You totally said said the Beast. What is wrong with your brain? I don't know. (laughs) Well, we've already talked about the original team, but I had to admit last time that I am a, what did you call me, Lauren? I'm a fake geek girl. Yeah. Yeah. I said that you're not a fake geek girl. Oh, okay. I'm not a fake geek girl, but I am what you might say is a casual X-Men fan, yes. which is that Which is fine. I was surprised to hear that the the famous Wolverine is not in fact one of the original X-Men. Yeah. No, he's not. He's so a, he's he's a a hanger on. He's a <laughs> pretender. Um yeah, he's th- a fake geek girl. Now, as long as, as <laughs> well, we so we have to talk about Wolverine. So I yeah. figured that justifies another podcast. Yeah, yeah. Wolverine on his own could be an entire podcast, especially when you take into account all the different uh, iterations. Yeah, because 
I like, uh, by the time we're recording this podcast, uh, which is in November 2014, uh, right now, as uh, in the comic book world, Wolverine's dead. He's it been, happens to everyone. I yeah. mean, well, he's he's died before too, yeah. so I don't expect that to be permanent. I don't think it's going to last very long. No, I read something online that I was thinking, surely this can't be true. They said that uh, he at one point was brought back to life from a single drop of his blood. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much the case. You know, <laughs> that's how good his healing factor is. <laughs> how would he still have his memories and everything? Ah, uh, you know, you know Logan. Or maybe he didn't. I don't know. Logan didn't does Logan it. stuff. Every single cell in your body has your total DNA in it. Clearly his memories were somehow wrapped up genetically in the rest of him. <laughs> uh, the guy's got an adamantium <laughs> you, skeleton. What? The <laughs> listeners can't hear Lauren, Lauren has daggers. the dead eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can apologize for just about any sort of comic book crazy plot you want. I don't necessarily believe what I'm saying, but I can apologize for it. Okay, well, let's go ahead and dive right in and start with, with the old Wolverine himself. Okay. He's got, what are his powers? He's got super healing, yes, right? Yes, that's, that's a big one. His healing factor is what's often In fact, to. super healing might, might be an understatement. It's like hyper healing. Yeah, he essentially, he can take damage that would kill any other creature ever and recover from it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he's got adamantium claws that extend out of his knuckles. Technically, right? he has an entire adamantium skeleton, which is not a mutant power. It was added onto his skeleton. The fact that he had this mutant healing power allowed him to survive the process. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so and so I think classically, that's where that the, the claws come in. Was he... he has bone claws that adamantium has been bonded to. Okay. So the the claws are part of his mutant power. That was not surgically added to him. He has bone claws, which uh, when Magneto stripped away all the adamantium from Wolverine's skeletal system, uh, he still retained the claws, but now they were just bone you know, claws. Bones, yeah. He also has adamantium chest hair, doesn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's like a Brillo pad. Yeah, <laughs> that's in fact where Brillo came from. In fact, the X-Men, it's all just shaving. They just off harvest him. it from him. <laughs> when they, when they he goes to, into the factory once a week. When they need to clean uh, the the school for gifted humans, they just put him face down on the floor, and <laughs> push him back and forth across the floor. He doesn't just get stick a, a pole in, in his yeah. back. It's fine. He'll heal up. Yeah, he's um he. he He's he's lost a lot of dignity over the years. Okay, but. well, it seems like <laughs> I'm the sorry Logan, I'm sorry <laughs> fictional Logan. The essential, out there the essential Wolverine power. I think we got to start with is the healing. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there a way that we know of to create hyper healing in humans? Well. Not yet. No, but no. I mean, there's no, a there lot of not. there's a lot of work going in, obviously, to try and find ways to help people heal from injury and illness more effectively. Right, and there are some interesting frontiers at sort of the edges of of healing science. Oh, sure. About what we could do in the future, because here here's one example of the limitations of human healing. Humans cannot regrow lost limbs. No. Right. So you you get a little cut in your hand. Well, over time, hopefully that'll close up and and you'll get some scar tissue maybe, but it'll your skin will cover the wound. If you cut your hand off, you're not going to get another one back. It's no. gone. You might cosplay as as Captain Hook for the rest of your life. Right. But that's what I would do. Not anim- not all animals are like this. Right. Like, for example, uh, some salamanders, you know, can regrow lost limbs. You cut off a limb and it will completely reconstruct itself. Or mm-hmm. heck, sea stars. Yeah. And, and the blueprints are there, right? I mean, so you have the coding information inside your body to make new copies of all the, the parts you have. You had to have that information because it was with you when you were an embryo when you were making those parts to begin with. But we've got something that happens in our bodies that prevents us from regrowing lost limbs once we're an adult. Yeah. Is there a way that we can access through medical science those pathways to re uh, to, to sort of give ourselves healing powers that aren't natural to humans as adults. Well, you know, there's a lot of research going into that very thing. Uh, in fact, um, there's there used to be a belief that once you got to a certain level of complexity with a biological organism, 
that is what was the limiting factor, that somehow if you got complex enough, then you would no longer be able to regrow a lost limb. It's like system overload. There's too many things going on. Yeah, Uh, it was the dominant thinking for a long time. It now seems like that is no longer the dominant thinking, that there are there's a kind of a sea change in that. Um, And there's been a lot of interesting work, uh, interesting work that has dealt with some experiments that are fairly gruesome. I mean, when you when you look at it from especially if you if you love animals like mice, uh, this might be difficult to hear. But the Tufts University Center for Regenerative Medicine and Developmental Biology is looking at ways to boost regenerative powers, uh, mostly through the interaction of cells uh, using electrical charge hmm. and how they communicate in a way to try and stimulate growth uh, in a way that normally wouldn't happen in uh, organisms like us. And the way they've tested it is uh, largely by taking things like uh, mice and cutting toes off of them and then trying to stimulate that. Uh, they also looked at activating a gene called LIN28A, L-I-N-2-8-A, uh, to help regrow lost bits like toes. And uh, they've actually been successful with that. They were looking at this uh, only after they had already been exploring that particular gene uh, through cancer research. It was oh. one of those things where they, they discovered something and thought it was interesting, and now there might be a different application. Cool. So obviously we're not there yet for humans, but right. I think there is some reason to believe it's possible that in the future – Medical science could allow us to have regenerative powers that we don't have today. Yeah, I think uh, in the the foreseeable future, it'll be very limited. It'll be things, injuries that are still not um, incredibly severe. I, I imagine that the more severe the injury, the harder it will be to truly regenerate uh, any sure. kind of tissue like that. I mean, but it's it's promising, and I hope that this research ends up finding its way into medical practices where, you know, in the future, maybe 20 years or so in the future, people who have suffered injuries can have a much better uh, yeah. prognosis. Or, or even with the combination, I could see potentially the, the combination of something like a like a 3D printed bone. Right. Um, sure. And and, you know, various various other implants could could help you technologically bond better with a prosthesis. Yeah, clearly uh, this would be something we'd want to be really careful about because anytime you're talking about stimulating cell growth, there are a lot of other questions that come up. Things oh, of like course. how do you make sure that that's a controlled growth, mm-hmm. for example. Okay, so there's another thing I was hearing about in sort of the future of of healing technology, and mm-hmm. it was a little electrical implant that DARPA was working on. Does that have any relevance to this? Um. Not really, uh, but it is really fascinating. And, and I guess, oh, okay, l- let me, let me explain what this is. Uh, okay, so you've got a lot of nerves throughout your body that are monitoring all of your systems and sending alerts back to your brain whenever there's something wrong. Right. And, and that alert might be sudden tissue damage, activate pain and motor functions, uh, which is how we can pull our hand back very quickly from a too hot surface. Um, and, and it's also how your body knows to send the resources to that hand to start healing over the burn. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it might also be something like foreign substance detected, activate immune system, um, which is really rad in general. It, it lets it lets you uh, fight off infections. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if you've got an overactive nervous system or an overactive immune response, that is not so rad. Um, that kind of thing can lead to your, your body misdiagnosing a problem when there isn't one, which can cause all kinds of trouble, like like your immune system can start attacking healthy tissues in your joints, which is what goes on in arthritis. Mm. So DARPA's idea is to implant like nerve thread sized devices to attach to your nerves that will regulate your nerve impulses, uh, thus helping your immune system be more accurate. Uh, the technology is not existent yet. This is all very much in the research phase. The the program is called Electrical Prescriptions or Elect RX, which is which is very cute. Yeah, um, it, partially because they're hoping to reduce our dependency on medications, which can have all of these unpredictable and unpleasant interactions with your other bodily systems. Plus, the more medications you have, the more likely you're going to have complications and oh, interference. Uh-huh. And yeah, you Absolutely. know, Elect Rex. That sounds like that could have been one of the 
it could be one of the less beloved X-Men. Right. One, you know, the, the, the back one, catalog. The one you write just specifically to kill that character off Aww, to have a, yeah. a fake moment of sincere grief among yeah. your characters because all the others are far too valuable merchandise-wise for you to kill off. You died for our development. Right. <laughs> okay, but so that sounds really interesting, but so it doesn't sound like a recipe for hyperhealing. Uh, yeah, it's more aimed towards restoring regular healing. I, I think the best you could possibly get out of this therapy is is optimum healing given your body's current resources. Mm-hmm. Um, though, I mean, it certainly is interesting, like we've been saying, and uh, the, the modulation of individual nerves is so potentially huge. I mean, imagine if we could control our body's stress responses, like the impact that that would have on mental health therapies. Sure. Yeah. Or, I mean, if you can control the body's response to pain, that could be a big thing. Oh, I mean, sure. Like pain is useful if you need, if you touch a hot stove, you know, you need to pull your no, hand to pull back. Your right. But we have more pain than we need as a species. Oh, sure. Right? You like, could have chronic pain as, as a result of something that you have literally no control right. over. It's oh, not sure. doing you any good anymore. Yeah, right? yeah. And there, there's a host of, of related things to, to stuff like arthritis, like uh, inflammatory bowel syndrome or fibromyalgia that could also have huge impact from this kind of research. Mm. Cool. Well, okay, so then, are there any technological routes we actually know of right now that could accelerate human healing? Well, there's some that we're looking into that haven't necessarily panned out definitively. One of the big ones that I, I know of is using ultrasonic frequencies to help try and uh, and facilitate bones knitting together after you've broken a bone. So you guys remember we talked a little bit about a 3D printed cast where it has that kind of looks almost like a fishnet kind of a uh, pattern. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The reason for that fishnet pattern, there are a few of them. One was to allow you to have a cast that's not all gammy and, and it's and, for scratchings. Yeah, exactly that kind of thing. But another was the idea of using it to give access to doctors to put uh, uh, transmitters, ultrasonic transmitters, up against your skin, so that you could have those ultrasonic frequencies stimulate your bones so they knit more quickly. It's supposed to facilitate that. However, that being said, there have been several studies with conflicting results about whether or not this actual process is helpful or if it's no different from uh, healing without the use of the ultrasonic frequencies. So it's still questionable as to whether or not this is uh, really useful. And if it is useful, it might be negligible. In other words, it may be useful to the point where the cost of of getting the treatment is not really, you know, it's not justified. Like the speed of the healing isn't so great as to justify that kind of expense when you could be using that equipment for something else. So there's still some question about it, but that's an example of using technology to try and help people heal more rapidly than they otherwise would. Okay, but it doesn't look like we have anything on the table right now that's going to get us anywhere near you know, Wolverine's kind of like, oh, I got shot 30 seconds ago and now I'm okay. Now I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah. The, the the Hollywood, uh, I got shot, but I am still fully capable of carrying out my part in this plot until I am no longer relevant. That doesn't work so much, you know. Pro- probably never is when that will happen. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm guessing never. I, I try to maintain my relevance as much as possible just in case it ever does kick in. <laughs> So well, I, that I think, they don't get rid of me too quickly. I think shielding is going to be the more important uh, tech, technological system there. But, yeah. but that's probably a whole other episode. Right. Okay. So the realistic future X-Men, if we can believe that may- maybe they will get this regenerative power going, is that you have a superhero who can run into the enemy base get her arm cut off in the midst of a fight and then retreat and then grow a new arm in some months. Yeah, maybe is that, maybe is a that year or what two. We're thinking? Yeah, I think I think that's kind of the the hope, uh, the the <laughs> ultimate hope is. I mean, I mean, no, I, and it sound it does sound incredibly silly, but but how how incredible would it be to to have uh, victims of industrial accidents or car accidents sure. or or military accidents to be able to to regain? I mean, I mean, it's hard for us being, uh, you know more or less able-bodied humans to imagine how completely life-destructive that would be. Absolutely. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, but if yeah. we're talking about it as real medical potential, that's totally yeah. a different thing. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but <laughs> is, is it a superpower? Yeah, uh, comparing, comparing it to Wolverine's healing factor, it would be, you know, 
It's kind of like, can I lift 500 pounds? Well, not all at once, but if you give me enough time, I can lift uh, the equivalent of 500 pounds. That's not exactly a superpower. That's just a normal power. So the question is, can we get this accelerated healing as a normal power? It's still not going to be the crazy thing we see with Wolverine where practically instantaneously he's able to heal, you know, at least superficial wounds. Are you trying to arm wrestle me, Jonathan? No, I would never try to arm wrestle you. Okay, okay. Let's move on to the next thing. Adamantium skeleton. Well, obviously, this is a no-go, because if, if you can't have Wolverine healing, you can't have an adamantium skeleton. Also, I don't think adamantium exists. I was about to say uh, you would have to invent adamantium first. <laughs> I uh, would want vibranium anyway. Well, <laughs> but is there anything like this? Can we reinforce the human skeleton? Well, we actually have uh, some examples of grafting other materials onto bone structure, uh, with some bone fractures, surgeons can choose uh, to perform a bone graft, uh, which would mean taking bone from you and replacing it, uh, another part of your bone structure. But they could also do something that's called a xenograft, which means they would actually take material from a totally different species, like coral. Hmm. Now, coral's biocompatible with human tissue. Uh, however, coral normally would not be strong enough to support human weight or human stresses. So you couldn't just replace a bone with coral and expect it to be uh, work, you know, to work the way your bone used to work. But you can process that coral so that it's strong enough to withstand the same stresses that a typical human bone would. And uh, and so we there's actually, in fact, my wife knew uh, a teacher who had this done with an eye. Uh, in fact, uh, it had a, an eye surgically implanted that was a coral eye. So it was a, it was what? permanently fixed into his orbital bone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She's got some great stories about this guy. Like the time his, his glass eye before he got the coral implant popped out at a basketball game and caused hilarity to ensue. <laughs> now she's got some great stories about wow. him. Yeah. Uh, and at any rate, uh, we also have plenty of examples of surgeons using metal plates and screws and bolts and things in order to help knit, help hold bones together properly so they knit together. But again, this is a case of helping bones heal. It's not a case of reinforcing the bones or replacing them. And, of, and you know, ideally, you remove those pieces as soon as the bones are healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I want to bring up another concern, which is that the bones in your body are not just like rocks in there. They're, they're dynamic they're living. living tissues yeah. Yeah. that do things within your body. You know, your bones have marrow in them that uh, I believe they manufacture red blood cells, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and bone cells themselves are created and destroyed in a natural process throughout the body. They're the, you know, the bone creation cells and the bone destruction cells, the osteoblasts and the osteoclasts. It's not just like you could stick any hard substance in your body where the bone should be and you'll be good to go. Yeah, uh, right, right. And you wouldn't really want to entirely coat your bone in anything, even if that were possible from a from a physiological standpoint, because, again, your your bones are doing stuff. Yeah, um, they're interacting with other cells in your body and, and other substances. And so if, if you coated them, it would be like wrapping plastic wrap around your hand permanently. Yeah, right. Um. Which or wouldn't really be too much not fun. To, not to mention the fact that if you were truly coating every <laughs> every surface of your bones with something else, you would have to at some point remove tendons from <laughs> the bone. Like, yeah, you, you would have to essentially detach all the muscles, then reattach all the muscles to get every surface of the bone coated with this stuff. So it's it's a bad some, plan. It's y'all. problematic. At it's best. not a good plan. Yeah. I think I think that this one. I, I do think that it's potentially possible. Uh, again, you can see it in some of the prosthetic research that's being done and, and even in some of the 3D printing bone kind of research that's being done. You know, it's, it's possible to maybe enforce our bones mm-hmm. with stronger stuff. Maybe. <laughs> uh, it's a big, it's a big maybe. Know. Yeah. So this, this one is at least for, if we're talking about superpowers, I don't think anyone's going to get a full skeleton upgrade anytime soon. I hope not. No. Yeah, especially without okay. that healing factor. Okay, well, what about the, the marquee event, the claws? The stick. Oh, well, first of all, it's totally possible, but it won't make the snick sound. That's the problem. Is that it's. Well, then what's the point? <laughs> well, that's at the end of the claw. 
<laughs> okay, no. All right. When you when we're being serious here about installing claws, clearly anything that would re- allow us to be able to extend and retract. You guys are I'm sorry. I just have an are, image of. I, I'm sure this has been done before. This joke has happened somewhere in the comics, but of of Wolverine working in a kitchen somewhere, like being the line cook chopping all the vegetables. Yeah, and he's just basically ramming his knuckles up and down on the table. You know, for a Canadian, he's really not that polite. At any rate, so uh, yeah, the claws being able to have claws installed in your arms somewhat tricky, I would imagine. You know, well, any time that you're changing your musculoskeletal system, yeah. Well, okay. What about just some attachable claws? Well, oh, attachable claws, we can do that. yeah. That that's actually been done. Uh, there's a a guy named Colin Furze or Furze who uh, is a YouTube personality, and he builds crazy stuff like not just stuff that relates back to superheroes but all sorts of bonkers stuff and uh, he created retractable wolverine claws that are powered by an air compressor so he actually has to wear a big backpack in order to have these work and then he has tubes that go from the backpack to the um, to the two claws systems that are worn on the backs of his forearms right so he straps these things onto the backs of his arms he has a trigger uh, pushing the trigger uh uh, releases the air pressure that allows the claws to extend. And he has a second uh, trigger uh, or release or whatever where it cuts off that supply. The claws retract. So I guess they're on a spring system. He doesn't actually show how he built it. Mm-hmm. He just demonstrates them working and he cackles a lot, as he should. If I had working retractable Wolverine claws strapped to my arms, I would not stop cackling for days. You already cackle a decent amount. I do, so that and would... I don't even have claws. Right. That's, so this is what I'm saying. There'd be yeah. at least a 250% increase in cackling on my part. So uh, anyway... That's science. Yeah, his, his YouTube videos are amazing, uh, so... This one in particular, he shows off how he's able to extend them and, and retract them. Uh, and he's able to do that repeatedly until he's run out of compressed air, in which case he has to uh, essentially refill the tank in his backpack. So it's not a lightweight solution. It's not something that you would wear all over the place. It, I'm sure it's it's rather heavy, but it was an effective demonstration of a technological approach to the same sort of thing that Wolverine can quote unquote do naturally in the comics. Can he like uh cut a Humvee in half with him and stuff? Uh he did not do it in the video. I am going to guess that he does not have the arm strength for that. <laughs> even if the claws themselves were somehow sharp enough and could remain sharp enough to do that. Uh he also, you know, you gotta keep in mind this is also very different from having claws embedded in the arm that can extend out from the skin. The way it's depicted, at least in the the film versions, the the claws break the skin every time he extends them. Oh yeah, well th- this is where his super healing capacity also comes in because it it breaks and heals up every time he does it. It's pretty painful. Yeah, but yeah, he says it hurts every time. That's one yeah. of the lines. That's one of his yeah, tough it's one of his lines. gruff lines. Like, yeah, does it does that hurt every time? <laughs> Almost every time. Yeah. And then he then sometimes he, it feels pretty good. Then he starts <laughs> then he starts singing from Les Mis. It's really yeah, weird. Yeah. That's a weird guy. Anyway, um, but uh, that I don't know why that would necessarily be because I, I don't think this applies to wolverines. But some animals have claws that are retractable. Uh, right? Not retractable. Protractile is ah. is the word for for that biological mechanism. You've probably seen it in cats. There's a couple families of mammals that have them. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a muscle group that allows these these types of critters to to push out their fancy pokey toenails just <laughs> when they want to use them, which also lets them keep them hidden in a fold of skin the rest of the time, which reduces wear and tear to the claw and also lets them move more quickly and quietly in cer- certain situations. Right. So these are not retracting fully within the the biological system. It's not like they're They're not breaking the skin every right, time. Right. right. They're just hidden by a fold of skin and then can protract out from right. that fold. Right. But like dogs can't do this. I mean, if your dog hasn't trim the toenails in a while he's doing a little tap dance on the kitchen floor yes mm-hmm. yeah that, that's why cats generally don't tap dance yeah also, among many other reasons no but they do amazing choreography they do yeah it's all very nouveau though right, right. um <laughs> rum tum tugger is amazing that's all i can say <laughs> A lot of musical references in this episode and installing this in humans though uh, as we've we've kind of danced around before 
no pun intended, um, yeah. <laughs> would be would be real messy. Um, yeah, you we'd know. have to have like first of all, if you're going with a protractile method, even then. You have to change our physiology. You have to create those folds of skin that things could exist within. And, they would and, not nearly be the length of Wolverine's claws. No, no. And, and you need to change the bone structure and the, and the muscle structure around it. It, it would, that would, I don't think I want to even, I'm getting real grossed out just thinking about it. Right. Well, plus, I mean, as we sort of alluded to earlier, without the magic metal, without the magic healing, this system doesn't even really sound like something you'd want. It <laughs> it sort of only makes sense if you already start with the other magic assumptions. Oh, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. For one thing, uh, if you're talking about breaking the skin every time, you're talking about also inviting infection constantly. Right. Oh, sure, right? sure. Like you're, yeah. you're talking about opening a wound every time you want to extend these claws. I also don't really understand, like, I've never seen any artist illustration of how the inside of Logan's arm is supposed to look, because you imagine that the claws, in order for them to extend out from the forearm through the, between the knuckles, essentially, is how it's uh, depicted, or just above the knuckles. They dissolve um, into nanobots, John. Yeah, you wonder, because <laughs> they would have to retract far enough for him to still be able to bend his wrists, Right. Yeah. So they couldn't, oh, yeah, they couldn't, point. they couldn't just be in his hand, the points in his hand, because then he wouldn't be able to flex his wrists at all. He, he's got pretty beefy arms, though. I think that there's clearly <laughs> some kind of pocket. He can't bend his wrists anyway. Inside. Yeah. Have you ever seen him bend his wrists? I, there's so many jokes, but I'm not going to use <laughs> I any think, of them. I think we need to move on from Wolverine. Now. Real, real quick before we do, I did want to mention that, um, that the, the two groups of mammals that have these, these protractile claws are, yeah. are cats, uh -huh. uh, but both house cats and large cats and also civets. Uh, Wolverines definitely don't have this thing. So I think that we should lobby for a name change. He yeah. should be the civet. Well, <laughs> he could also make amazing coffee, but I'm not going to tell you how. <laughs> Let's move on. Yes, okay. let us move on on that note. <laughs> Next one. Nightcrawler. Kurt. Kurt Wagner. He's a uh, – what a character, man. He's, uh, he's, my he's favorite. real sweet, right? Yeah. Isn't that his thing? He was he's, a he's former darling. Roman Catholic priest uh, in the comics as well. And um, a his, his abilities are pretty – He's one of those X-Men. He's got a bunch has, of them, right? He's one of those X-Men that has a bunch of different abilities. Of course, he's the one, if you've seen the movies, uh, in the second film he appears, he's the, the blue one with the tail, played by Alan Cumming. Boy, more musical references. I can make more of them now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm kind of upset that they didn't just do a few musical bits on set of, of, or at right. least they haven't released footage of it. Right, where Wolverine and Nightcrawler start singing duets. It would be phenomenal. The so amazing okay. Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're the wrong era of, of musicals there. You have to get much more melodramatic and sad. But uh, yeah, so some of Nightcrawler's abilities are ones that we've already talked about on this show. Well, one of the main ones, obviously, is teleportation. Yeah, okay, now that one, let's save that one for last, though. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, let's save that one for last. Let's talk about, uh, first of all, he's, he's got the ability to kind of be sort of invisible. If he's in the sh shadows, he can kind of fade in with them. He can't do it in broad daylight, but in the shadows, he can fade back enough for him to be effectively invisible. And we've talked about invisibility several times on Forward Thinking. Yeah, we did a podcast where we talked about in fact, a bunch of different ways of becoming invisible through technology. Yeah. Uh, there are, of course, the metamaterial methods we've talked about, though those we don't know if that'll ever be uh, applicable on the visual spectrum. Right. Or covering enough of the visual spectrum to really make something truly invisible. Right. But they are already showing promise on the microwave spectrum for sort of narrow bands yeah. of frequencies. So. Of course, metamaterials are the, these sort of tiny structures that are synthetic. They don't exist in nature, and mm. they can manipulate the way electromagnetic fields uh, bend around them. Right, mm -hmm. right. So even if we were to develop uh, a really awesome metamaterial type that could uh, cover the whole vi visible spectrum – there's no guarantee that we would be able to make it movable, right? It may end up being something that, sure, it's effective if you want to, I don't know, hide the existence of a building away from the, the, the world, but it may not work for something that's going to be jumping around all over the place. Sure. But we also talked about active camouflage. That kind of seems more reasonable to me for how a creature might not become completely invisible, but could pretty well hide, especially in dark conditions. Right. And lots of animals already have this power. So like uh, an octopus can easily blend in with 
uh, with its surroundings by projecting different colors on its skin to match the patterns of the surface where it's hiding. Yeah, it would need to have, again, you would have to have a, a suit that could completely cover you mm-hmm. so that uh, you're you're not, you know, if your hands and head and are revealed, then you might say like, oh, that's weird that there's a disembodied pair of hands and a head moving around and I can't see anything else attached to it. Uh, so that would also be maybe possible in the future with the right technology. Uh, again, you'd have to be totally covered. One of the active camouflage methods we mentioned in our uh, episode on invisibility tech was the flexible optoelectric camouflage skin. And this was done by, uh, there was a paper on it earlier this year, I think it was August of 2014, by researchers at the University of Houston and the University of Illinois, and they, they published a paper called Adaptive Optoelectric Camouflage Systems with Designs Inspired by Cephalopod Skins. So this was creating multi-layered flat surfaces that could mimic the patterns underneath them to the viewers above, mm-hmm. sort of like mm-hmm. a cephalopod skin would. And if you can imagine creating sort of a suit out of the skin, probably wouldn't make you flawlessly invisible, but it could be pretty useful active camouflage for whatever huh. kind of surroundings you found yourself in. Now, as I recall, that particular one, I think, only worked in various shades of gray for that right. for that approach. The, the one they've created yeah. so far is only black and white, but they, they think that they can scale it up and expand its frequency diversity and cool. all cool. that. So that, that's, a, that's a solid maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one in the yes column, because we haven't really talked about, uh, like a solid hit of a superpower we can replicate today, night vision. Uh, we can totally replicate night vision today using things like night vision goggles. Now, oh, granted, yeah. that's, that's obviously, you know, technology on top of you. Uh, yes, yes. The, there are no implants for that yet. But yeah, that, that one's been kicking around since World War II. So, yeah, so you know, we've got that one covered. Converting infrared light into visible light. Now we do convert that. Whether or not we could ever biologically, uh, engineer somebody so that they can perceive infrared, that's an interesting question because, uh, it would not only require us to be able to pick up infrared signals, but to process them. Uh, it's certainly not biologically impossible. There are animals that exist today that oh, can yeah. see infrared. Yeah. It's like just, some snakes can sense infrared. It's just the question. Uh, of, I don't think it's a seeing infrared as much as uh, tasting it, isn't it? Am I incorrect? <laughs> I don't know, but that sounds cool. <laughs> it's it, it is certainly. I'll take your the, word for it. It's it's like a taste smell combo, really. But it's it's one of those things that. While we can see examples of creatures being able to see into spectrums that we're not, uh, whether that's infrared or ultraviolet, the question remains whether or not we can engineer people to do that. Uh, that m- may be possible in the future. I mean, that, that's one of the, that's sort of the issue with all of these. Can we give a human some kind of animal power? There's always a big kind of question mark. Well. Yeah. Don't know There's, if we can. So, or... yeah. It's a lot easier to say, no, that's definitely not going to happen for some of the crazier powers. <laughs> huh. Some of these other ones are a little more borderline. Yeah. Uh, for for the record, according to a very brief Google search, it, there, there are these little kind of pits on snake faces mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. control the infrared sensing. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, then we've got wall crawling. Nightcrawler can oh, also yeah. uh, crawl on walls. Yeah, we've done whole episodes about that, too, about some of the materials that people are using to uh, – the, the biomimicry that people are using to reproduce sticky. Yeah. Yeah. Sticky often <laughs> comes down to chemical, but there's also physical. So uh, there's uh, researchers at MIT created a carbon nanotube-based tape that could, in theory, line the gloves and shoes of a suit. So like a Spider-Man suit, if you want to go with a different superhero. Uh, and it clings like glue, but can be reused indefinitely. It doesn't lose its stickiness. It relies on the van der Waals force to hold two surfaces together. Right. And that's just sort of this tiny molecular level force. Right. That's- Active at very small scales. Yeah, so making sure that you can have something that can support the weight of, say, your average mutant, uh, obviously has uh, its challenges. But it's there's nothing specifically that we know of that would uh, prevent us from being able to do that in the future. Now, we're still ages away from being able to produce anything like that on a large scale, but it's it's po- right. theoretically at least possible. So, uh, not. Not a biological approach. We're not biologically changing people to be able to wall crawl. But again, using technology, in this case, a, a, you know, a textile based technology could make it possible. Sure. Okay. Well, time to get to the easy one. The teleportation one. Yeah. Yeah. 
totally yes. doable via genetic engineering, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you happen to be a quantum particle, then maybe. You know, people maybe. always say that about me. That you could be a, that you're a quantum that I'm particle. A quantum particle. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. Those actually, YouTube commenters. What? <laughs> Jerks. Yeah, yeah. Lauren inhabits all states of being simultaneously. It's we just all we've come to accept it. Really, I mean, you know, we maybe you've come to accept it. I'm still struggling with it. Well, only one part. Or are you? Many other parts of you have totally accepted it. Uh, So yeah, it's this is one that's not going to be possible. Most likely, Uh, I can't see it. We have talked about teleportation before, and in fact, scientists have looked into teleportation, but it it has been on quantum particles, things like photons or a feature of a quantum particle, like its spin. Uh, and they've been able to teleport things like that. However, that doesn't scale up. It's not something like you could, you can't say, oh, now that we know how to uh, teleport this one, you know, disassemble this one particle and reassemble it elsewhere without actually transporting it across the space where that happened, we can never scale that up to, to macro size. Yeah. If you want to read a really interesting and clear to, to the layperson breakdown of the problems with teleportation, I recommend checking out Lawrence Krauss's The Science of Star Trek. He has a wonderful explanation oh, cool. yeah. of everything that's wrong with teleportation and like why it would just be impossible to do this. Yeah. Now we should say that. As- there's nothing that we know of in physics that says it is absolutely impossible for a macro-sized object to ever teleport. We just are light years away from ever discovering if that, in fact, is possible or impossible. Um, it's it's impossible effectively to us today mm-hmm. and likely will be for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Uh, if maybe, you know, a thousand years from now, we've developed a point where we could do it. Maybe then, maybe it turns out that there is a way to do it on a, for a macro-sized object. However, based upon our understanding right now, if we were to do the same sort of approach that we do on the quantum scale, it would mean that you die when you teleport. The the you that is you when you hit the button it's ceases destroyed. to be. Yeah. yeah, and then a copy of you when you press the button is constructed wherever it was that you were supposed to go with your full memories, apparently magically. And that's that's in science fiction. Certainly. I yeah. don't know that in reality that would actually happen. It was certainly wouldn't your experience as an entity would cease to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, think of it like if you were to suddenly make a clone of yourself and then someone shot you and you died, you would be gone. Your clone would continue to live, Mm -hmm. but you, your experience would end. Same sort of thing, essentially, except instead of making a clone of you that exists at the same time, you're making a, you're you're stopping your existence and starting a clone's existence practically simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, how do you know that, uh, that you didn't die one second before every single second of your life and you're just under the illusion that your experience of consciousness is continuous. Well, Joe, how do you not, how do you know for a fact that that clone of you isn't a better person than you are and therefore it's a better trade off? How do you know that you're alive at all? Okay, philosophically speaking, <laughs> I'm going to go with teleportation being bad because I want to continue my existence as long as I possibly yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about his tail? Uh, prehensile tail. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, uh, monkeys have them. Yeah, whole, whole bunches of mammals have them. Uh, uh, various monkeys, anteaters, porcupines, mice, possums, and etc. Um, I see zero reasons why we couldn't design robotic prosthetic tails that had functioned Pretty well. Oh, I would be surprised if that wasn't one of the easier things to genetically engineer in humans, especially because sometimes atavistic tails appear in human babies without technological aid. Sure. I I don't believe that. uh, I've never read an account of anyone even being able to uh, to consciously control one. But oh, yeah, that's yeah, a good point. if you're talking about prehensile, then that does suppose that you would have some con- some measure of control. Yeah, over. yeah, a, a pretty a pretty large measure yeah. of control, a, a very advanced um, nervous and and muscle system going on. It would but, definitely require some massive changes in the fashion industry. Huh. Well, I mean, there there is some reasonable chair technology. I believe I've heard before that that tails, it, these aren't genes we lost. We still have the genes to make a tail. We just basically have another gene that says, don't that do says, that. Oh, no, no, thanks. Yeah. Well, and off switch. And again, in order to have a, a prehensile one, I think the technology approach, like the actual robotic tail that uh, that ties into our system some other way is the more likely early 
version of being able to have a tail if you want to. I could also imagine a science fiction future where people get, you know, they get a the tail. Either they design, you know, like a flesh prosthetic, yeah, tail, something like that. Something. Either that, or, or people have chosen to genetically alter. Uh, the next generation to have tails because that is now suddenly the thing that people think is awesome. Like I could imagine a, at least a science fiction story that follows that kind of thing. Whether or not it ever becomes true, I don't know. I will tell you that there are robotic tails you can buy right now. <laughs> you, you guys are familiar with the – I bet that there are super creepy conventions for this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not judge, Joe. Come on. I'm sorry. Uh, but, but you know, the the – you you've heard about the ears, right? That uh, that respond to brain waves. They're supposed to indicate what your mood is. Uh-huh. You know, they perk up or they they fold down, that kind of thing. Very popular. Uh, they came out of Japan. Uh, so did the tails. So the tails uh, are essentially the same sort of thing. It's supposed to read your emotional state and then translate that into the various poses that the tail can take, mm-hmm. including things like wagging. Um, and I, I included a picture in our notes just so people can see it. But um, <laughs> just so people can see it, the people being Joe and Lauren, <laughs> uh, I knew about these. I've known about them for a while because, come on, I covered technology. And so eventually I'm going to find out about it. Yeah, it's, um, you, you might have seen these because they were on the Internet. So I, yeah. I actually was following this before it became a full product when it was still in development. And uh, I, I remember I interviewed a, a person named Shannon Morse for Tech Stuff, who's a friend of mine, and she has a pair of the ears. And I asked her about the tail, and she was uh, fully on board, 100%. So huh. there's a market for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about a different X-Men. <laughs> X-Man. X-Person. Let's no, talk about X-person a different... person sounds like they died. We talked about this in the last episode. Okay. How about Storm. <laughs> Uh, what about Storm? Oh, you want to talk about her and her abilities. Yeah. Yes. So, I also thought she was one of the original X-Men. Well, it shows what I know. It sh- most you of the, can't have more than one girl in, in an original <laughs> team. Most of, That's the, ridiculous. most of the depictions of the X-Men rely on the the uh, the lineup that came after the original group. Yeah. Um, especially since a lot of the ones like uh, like Beast transformed further into in, in the later versions of the X-Men. Okay. Well, Storm's powers pretty obviously are controlling the weather. Yeah. Uh, don't know how mutant powers give you. Like, I don't know what the biological well, way of doing I've never seen that. it explained at all. Yeah. Uh, but but also, Aurora is a very um, Aurora. Sorry, I think I said Aurora there. Uh, it is a very kind of mystical X Men. Yeah. She, she's portrayed almost as a as a goddess in in a lot of yeah yeah mythologies. It's so. just she's like more like Thor than like Wolverine. Eh, not not quite not quite to that level, but um, yeah. But yeah, but they but they never like, really bother explaining her. She's yeah. just kind of like. Well, to be fair, they don't bother to explain most of them. Huh. It's just when you come or down. At least to, not that I've read. I'm sure right. you know. Please please write in if I'm completely incorrect. Well, to be fair, there have been mountains of materials written about these characters, and we there's no way we could have read all of it. But at any rate, Storm's ability is to influence the weather to the point where she can make storms appear out of nowhere. She can uh, create lightning gusts of wind. and ice and driving she rain. Can even fly. She can manipulate the air enough mm-hmm. so that she's able to support herself and fly around that way. Yeah. Um, so I think the first thing to note would be that this is pretty obviously not something that a person can do with their body. Right. But so, I don't know so what the, the biological the, the more, agent would be. Yeah, the more abstracted version is, well, can you at least build a machine that would do some of the stuff and you could wheel it around with you? So <laughs> uh, essentially the, the, the Cobra Commander weather control device. Huh. Right. Uh, we, we've actually talked a little bit, well, not about the Cobra Commander one. Maybe, no. maybe about that one too. But we've talked about controlling the weather in a couple other episodes it's and tricky. how essentially impossible it really is. Especially given the fact that we don't know what the weather is doing right now. I I, I mean, like, like we don't understand the systems enough to really be able to control them. There's so many factors that go into weather systems and so many variables that can change. Like, we don't know, we don't know which variables are necessarily the most important. We know that there are big ones like temperature, pressure, that kind of stuff. But we don't necessarily know which ones are the ones that are going to make a system produce, let's say, six inches of rain versus a system that doesn't end up raining at all. And from from our measurements, it looks like both were more or less identical 
up to a point. And so it's very tricky to even know what weather is going to be like in uh, within a, day, a span of a day, much less be able to manipulate it so that we can make it do what we want it to do. Um, also, weather systems like big storm systems have tons of energy. I mean, a massive amount of energy going into it. We talked about how if you wanted to uh, equate that to uh, energy that we would produce, you're talking about nuclear bomb mm-hmm. levels of energy. And so it's just not something that you can practically do. And, you know, we've seen some weather, um, some weather manipulation techniques like cloud seeding, but we don't even really know how effective that is or if it's effective at all. Again, unless you are able to somehow magically do the same experiment twice, once where under exact conditions you are able to seed the clouds and see if it makes rain, and once when you don't seed the cloud, and see if those same conditions would produce rain. You can't really be certain. Uh, now, whether or not cloud seeding works is not the the topic of this episode. We could mm-hmm. we could go into tons of papers that have been written that either support it or contest it. Oh, sure. I, I think that they've done some some good research on that over on stuff they don't want you to know. Yeah. The the <laughs> the, the point is, yeah, well, let's just, we're just going to pass the buck over to them. Uh, but no. Yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> they yeah. love to be asked <laughs> that question. Uh, but no, seriously, like like we were it's really just driving home the point that this is really complex. These are high energy systems. And we just don't have the knowledge, let alone the technology to to change it. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, but, you know, caveat, if you're talking about causing environmental changes in an immediate controlled area, you, you know, air pressure, heat and cold, moisture, electrostatic discharges, directed gusts of air, we're totally aces at those well, things, sure, right? Sure, we have fans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and not of the show. We end up pushing air devices. Yes, yeah. fans. Oscillating devices that create airflow. Uh-huh. You could simulate lightning with a, you know, some kind of Tesla coil-like device. Oh, sure, yep. sure. You know, for, for some of these things you really need to be in in a sealed or sealable room. Sure. Um for for others we could design relatively on the go devices, but uh, again the the real problem here is the is the energy requirements like like mm-hmm. you were saying a moment ago um and also any handheld versions of a lot of these things would be <laughs> super dangerous i would not personally want to be carrying around a tesla coil that sounds yeah enormously bad yeah there's not enough faraday cage in the world to no, make me do that no no yeah I mean, part of you would still be holding the device so yeah i mean you I've seen Faraday like suits where people got zapped by Tesla coils, which looks really awesome. Yeah. I don't know that I want to wear one anytime soon. But if you have one, let me know because I, I, I could change my mind under the right circumstances. Yeah. Either send us a video or, or let us know if we can come try it on. This is where we try and find out if Architect listens to our show. Anyway. Okay. Well, now I've got one that's pretty easy, but also in a kind of disappointing way. Okay. Pyro. Yeah, pyro, pyro. disappoints well, me all well, the time. Well, I mean, well, <laughs> heck, He's a this one's pretty solid. I mean, basically all you need is a flamethrower. I mean, yeah. his yeah, power is kind of dumb. <laughs> well, I mean, when you, when you think of it this way, like the ability to shoot flames from your body and not be harmed by that fire would be pretty handy, you know. But that's I mean, also the aspect of his power that is really not doable. Right. I mean, well, I, I can't see that there, no matter what kind of genetic tampering you do, I don't think there's any way you can shoot fire out of your body and not be harmed by yeah. it. Yeah. You'd still need a fuel source is the thing. Even if you could somehow control your immediate body temperature to rise uh, to... to Ignition the, point. The, the ignition yeah. point of whatever material, you would still need the material. Yeah, you got to have the three things, right? You need heat, oxygen, and fuel. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you'd have to be supplying some sort of fuel. Uh, again, Maybe the, if you have some kind of gland that, like, squirts. Like butane? Uh, yeah. Well, no, I just had a thought, actually. <laughs> so it's not like pyro, but there is in nature, for example, like the bombardier beetle that has a two different chemicals, I believe, that, uh, or maybe even more than two. I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't looked this up now, but uh, but it has some different chemicals that it stores separately in the body, and by combining them, I think, with a catalyst, it can squirt out hot, corrosive 
stuff that burns. Right, well, a chemical cool. burn is a little different. From I mean, a terrifying, actual but flame cool. burn. Though. Yeah, yeah, and so that's not exactly like pyro. And I'm not saying you can just put some, you know, like uh, uh, bombardier beetle genes in your body and then you you can do that. <laughs> but I'm at least trying to think of some way that that a an organic body could shoot hot stuff. I too totally want to see a bombardier beetle superhero now, though. Yeah. Like, like, I like Blue Beetle. I mean, Blue Beetle is pretty cool. Yeah. But, it, but really, no, it seems like a chemical reaction would be probably the best way to do that, right? Because then you could store the potential energy in the body without sure. hurting yourself. Well, it's, you'd it's have to more have, possible. You'd have to have also more plausible, yeah. some way of making sure that, that those chemicals remain inert right, inside you of you. separate storage containers. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely the kind of thing that you wouldn't want. I mean, like, if you, for example, were being, oh, I don't know, crushed by Sabretooth, you wouldn't want to, to have those me, those yeah, bags crushed inside of you. That would be I'm thinking, super I'm thinking, like, good. you go wash your hands after <laughs> using the restroom and just the rubbing of hands back and forth, you suddenly realize you're melting your palms off. That would be... Awkward. Okay. Well, to do the ridiculously simple version of this, you just strap a flamethrower to your body. Yeah. Uh, Colin, the guy, same guy who did the Wolverine claws, mm-hmm. essentially made. Our YouTube buddy. Yeah. yeah he made, made a, a rig like this. And again, he didn't talk about exactly how it worked, but based upon what I saw, it looked like he had, uh, two different, uh, tubes mounted to wrists. One wrist acted as the pilot light. So it, would produce the ignition flame. The second wrist was what allowed him to project out the fuel, whatever it was that he was using. I don't know exactly what it was. And he was able to project flames several feet away from, like, it, they extended several feet from his wrists. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, by bending his I'm wrist back far enough. Head. Yeah, bo- both Joe and I are sitting back in our chairs, shaking our heads. Now, this like, one... that sounds like such a tremendously poor decision. <laughs> it was certainly probably, well, it was dangerous, yes. Very dangerous. And uh, I do not recommend anyone attempt to build such a rig on their own either. But it, it also was pretty wicked cool in the video. But uh, I would never use this thing because I would be afraid of setting myself on fire or having a, uh, a mechanical failure. Um, anything that would end up having a fuel leak could lead to catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Obviously incredibly dangerous, but he did build a suit that essentially replicates the abilities of Pyro to shoot flames from his hands, although again, using a technological approach rather than, okay. you know, mutant biology. So, so technologically plausible, totally. Certainly, yeah. This is something that we can do. And dangerous again, as heck. Based but... pretty much off the flamethrower, yeah. All right. Um. So let's talk about Magneto. All right. I think... As a casual X-Men fan, I think Magneto is my favorite character. Uh, yeah, yeah. Er- Eric Lenshears is great. Him and Charles have a very terrific uh, relationship. And, and he's, you know, he, he's well thought out to lots of he, he's really fun to deal with because uh, yeah. he's got so much going on in his head. Um, but his his superpowers are controlling, I guess, electromagnetic forces in that he can manipulate any magnetic object. Yeah. Yeah, which, anything that which turns out to be anything metal. Yeah, in the, <laughs> a lot of the time in the Marvel universe, it doesn't necessarily need to be ferromagnetic. Apparently, somehow he's able to make it magnetic anyway. Because there, there are times where, again, in Marvel, I think things have qualities that are necessary to the plot. So uh-huh. in one plot, it may be that adamantium is absolutely not magnetic. It cannot be magnetic in one plot. And in another plot, Magneto uses his powers to strip all the adamantium off of Wolverine's skeleton and hurl it away. So it all depends on the needs of that story. Uh, as for the ability to manipulate electromagnetism, that's what all of our electronics are largely based on. <laughs> um, and a lot, a lot of powerful systems like, like our power grid are dependent upon the, the use of electromagnets. And, uh, mm-hmm. so it's one of those things that we have a, a pretty good handle on. We don't have an ability to just uh, give someone a glove that lets them manipulate at will uh, a, an object and levitate it in the air using magnetism alone. That we do not have. So while we have a deep understanding of it, we also know the limitations. It's sort of like a, you know, if I have a powerful magnet and I point it at something that has, you know, that that reacts to magnets. It's going to come toward me if I'm close enough for that to to interact. I Won't can't you stop also it. be 
pulled toward it. Well, yeah, if my mass is great enough, then <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, yes, I'll feel the pull as well. Technically, both the magnet and the object will pull together. But if my mass is greater, it's going to come to me. That's what I always wondered. So like when Magneto uh, lifts up the Golden Gate Bridge and moves it, wouldn't wouldn't whatever force he's creating just pull him to the bridge? Well, if he's creating a, a completely distinct electromagnetic field from him, then no. <laughs> but it would mean that he would be able to create an electromagnetic field that could completely encircle something else and he would not be part of that. Oh, OK. Well, then it's fine. Yeah. Oh, uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> I, I, I do also want to want to put in here um, and I actually had never thought about this until we were doing this podcast. But y'all magnetic fields interact with electric fields. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if it's I mean, Right, right. They, there's stuff that's going on there. So you would have to be real careful if you were Magneto around computers yeah. or electronics of any kind. Yeah, he walks, right. he walks by like Wipes Apple. Wipes your hard drive. Walks yeah, by Apple yeah. headquarters and you just hear wails of people inside. <laughs> no! That's, that's, that's his real evil superpower. Yeah. Um, why does he bother getting Sabretooth to do stuff? He could totally be the ultimate like terrorist. He could just walk past a Google data center <laughs> <laughs> and and it'd be it'd crash the stock market. Yeah, Google yeah. has mutant shielding. It's like one oh, of the first things they put okay. on their data All centers. Right. We we don't have any more mutants in this list. Uh, I mean, also, we could also we've t- been talking for a whole nother hour. Yeah. So we could have talked about Magneto using electromagnetism to fly and how that is not the same as using a superconductor that's been super cooled in order to get it into quantum. Oh, well, lock. He, he's clearly just pushing off of our ferromagnetic core yeah. of, of the of the oh, earth. Of the earth. That makes yeah. sense. I think maybe he's just using the uh, Earth's magnetic field and attracting the top of his head to it. So he floats off the ground. <laughs> well, if you so. want to get about as close to being Magneto as is possible, go back and listen to our episode about biohacking. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which Where is, uh, you, which can, is, you can sense the presence of a microwave yeah. or something like that. Yeah, or oh, a fluctuating sure, sure. field. And, and, okay. And there are – here's another point. There, there are um, some – Birds, migrating birds that have, or migratory, I suppose the grammar would be there, um, that can, that can sense magnetic fields in that they, uh, there's some kind of chemical reaction that goes on in their eyeballs that lets them see patterns of light and darkness. It allows them to, to perceive the magnetic fields of the earth in order to do their migration. Thing. Right. Yeah. It's a navigation tool. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah it's sure. Really cool. So, so I guess hypothetically, if we really figured out how that could work, we could at least perceive magnetic fields. So it might be that we're not yeah. able to move the Golden Gate Bridge, but we might be able to tell you what direction it is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Magneto. You're a huge help. <laughs> Uh, with I, Mag- I with Magneto love... and Apple Maps, we can d- dominate the world. We need to go back through these two podcasts and write down all of the incredibly stupid superheroes we've dreamed up with their like lame almost powers no and one... see if it actually like could make a team that could do something. No one's going to be as lame as Arm Fall Off Man. But that's boy, basically arm boy. I'm sorry. Arm, arm well, fall off I liked boy. It when, he, when he finally matured. Oh, okay. Okay, well that's fair. <laughs> arm fall off boy is essentially what we actually talked about for Wolverine. <laughs> <this time. laughs> right. So, there we go. Uh I think uh I think we are and of course there are obviously tons more mutants in the X-Men universe, many of whom have powers that overlap the ones we've discussed here. There are probably several uh, that are very different from the ones we talked about, but we tried to cover a good spectrum mm-hmm. so that we could tackle as many as we possibly could. Ultimately, there's, you know, it, it's it, it's clear any kind of superhero story where you've got true superpowers, it's well beyond our human abilities. That's what makes them superhuman. It's what gives them the the larger than life mythical status that makes those stories what they are. And if you try to really explain how they work on a biological level, you rapidly run out of explanations and excuses, and then you just have to start making stuff up, especially when it comes to to biological mutations that give you magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I hope that that was an entertaining discussion. We certainly had fun doing it. And if you guys have any questions that range from just the curious to the wildly improbable, I recommend you let us know what those questions are. We'll be happy to tackle that in a future episode. Just drop us a line. Send us an email. Our address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com or drop us a line on Google+, Twitter, or Facebook. 
Google Plus and Twitter has the handle FWThinking. Just search FWThinking at Facebook. We'll pop right up. Send us a message. We read all of them. We look forward to hearing from you, and you'll hear from us again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit ForwardThinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash slash iHeart.